Before we get started, I have a question for you. Do you like podcasts? Of course you do. Otherwise, this would be a wasted exercise. Well, why aren't you doing one yourself? It's not that hard. You can promote a cause, promote your business, or just let those nonsensical rantings between you and your friends flow out. We make the process very easy at Eau Claire Hometown Media, and it only costs a couple hundred dollars. That's right, a fraction of the price to advertise on radio or TV, and you control 100% of the message. Just reach out to us here at Eau Claire Hometown Media for a no-obligation meeting. We'll tell you everything you need to know about getting your own podcast off the ground, and we will help you promote it as well. Hello, and welcome to Episode 18 of The Concert Venue. I'm Ben Peterson, here with Alex Vang. Today, we're excited to dive into a topic that uh, we've been talking about quite a bit uh, recently amongst ourselves, uh, and that is uh, how the creative process and learning process you know, varies from musician to musician. And uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it's a factor for every musician out there. And, uh, you know, there's no true right or wrong way to, to create or learn music. But, of course, there are many defined schools of thought. And uh, because we're all students of, of you know, this, this language, I mean, basically, it, it all come down to, you know, this language can be spoken in many different ways, and there's no uniform process across musicians that we all adhere to, to to create and learn within this language. So where this becomes interesting is, of course, when you have musicians with different backgrounds uh, that are collaborating on a project or, uh, you know, something like that, where their individual methods and processes can clash if uh, everyone's not on the same page. So uh, it, it creates an interesting, uh, interesting challenges, uh, you know, to navigate those different methods, and uh, I think that's just a, a fascinating topic to to dive into you know this this creative process can come naturally to to many musicians but it's not always something that we look at uh introspectively you know we we don't always analyze the way that we create and sometimes that can be just as interesting as the creative process itself yeah definitely i I agree with that i think it goes without saying that you know there aren't rules as far as art goes right and music may exist in be contrived within the confines of, of a music language that we've developed for communication and, and documentation purposes. But ultimately, what's constituted as a piece of art, it, it's just not confined by convention or definition. I think that's something we can agree on. But that's, you know, not going to stop Ben and I from arguing over genres and labels and et cetera. But, you know, e- even if you're a person that would prefer to exist without specific rules, you, you still have to have a medium for communication. And I think that's why even a basic understanding of some accepted terms can be helpful. You know, once you, once, like you said, Ben, once you really start working with other folks to share your ideas, uh, you'll be in a position where you have to facilitate collaboration and then you have to start leaning on some sort of system, even if it's completely custom, right? Um, I, I actually read a quote recently and I totally had to Google it for this podcast. So shame on me, but it's from <laughs> a really influential French Swiss director and he stated, Art is not a reflection of reality, it is the reality of reflection, which brings me to my next point. I, I think humans are just inherently expressive. You know, we, we might have an established language and conform to norms, but our cognitive and emotional functions are just tied to these man-made mediums, you know. that's There's that weird unspecified area in us that's not tangible or easily defined, man. I think that's where a lot of 
creativity comes from. So this will be interesting to dive into this. And uh, it's a special episode. Uh, we've invited our bandmates, Sean Hansen and Kyle Arnett, to talk about the creative process. And not necessarily ours as a band, of course, but more importantly, what, what does that mean for each person individually? Uh, some of you may know Scene is the singer and guitarist for Arenda Fugue. Uh, we've been writing music together for several years now. Kyle Arnett is the bassist of local metal band Thunderlung and a new member of Arenda Fugue. So welcome, dude, and or dudes, I should say. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, great. Thanks yeah, for having us. Absolutely. Uh, we had to force you guys on here sooner or later. Like Ben and I always joked that we'd force you guys to join us. Uh, so... I guess today's your lucky day. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. So, you know, before we maybe jump into some of the more philosophical topics that we've got planned, um, let's just talk to you guys for a bit about yourselves. Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot right away. What is maybe the song or album you heard that convinced you to learn how to play an instrument? Oh, gosh. Um you know, I, I was actually thinking about this earlier today uh, when we were, or after you had mentioned this, and uh, back in like fifth grade, I want to say, when we started playing saxophone for band, um, I got a Charlie Parker album, and I remember Ooh. specifically the the song Salt Peanuts, and I just, I went crazy for that song for some reason, and I was just like, I want to be Charlie Parker when I grow up, so see how that's going i guess <laughs> that's a great answer charlie parker i mean that is shooting for the stars man yeah he's he's a legend yeah 100 percent. very cool well scene same question for you uh, is there a song or, or album that comes to mind that uh, originally convinced you to uh, become a musician um not one specifically but i, I can kind of remember um, during my high school days, um, really just kind of gaining this new perspective about music. Uh, I mean, I always listened to music, always liked music when I was younger, but in high school, my, my perspective changed about how I listened to it. And I think at the time I was listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers Stadium Arcadium album that had just come out. And uh, I was listening to a lot of Pink Floyd at that time. And just hearing the way John Frusciante played guitar and David Gilmore played guitar, it just inspired me. Like, I like listening to this so much. Why don't I try and do it and emulate these guys that I enjoy listening to? You know, I think for our generation, those are pretty, those are some good choices. Um, I, I don't know. There's something about it. It's really interesting because those two are, are sometimes compared and their styles are so different. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting that anyone would compare David Gilmore to John Frusciante or the other way around, but kind of makes sense because their guitar playing is so it's like incredibly tasteful and emotional, mm -hmm. but maybe that's just, uh, that's kind of my interpretation of it. It's just, there's a lot of emotion in the way they, it's all the bends, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into this first topic. Uh, it's a big one too. What is your process when it comes to writing? And I, I'll I'll go ahead and kick things off here. Um, I think for me, there's 
there's like two major phases to my overall approach to music. There's basically Alex learning about drop tunings and then everything after that point. <laughs> so, you know, I think I could speak for everyone like when you're a guitar player and you first learn about drop D, it's like being a kid in a candy shop and you're like, wow, now I can, now I can play metal, dude. I could jam. But uh, I, I think my mindset overall has about this topic has changed throughout my time as a musician. And my primary go-to uh, when writing a song is trying to visualize all the spaces that that song is going to occupy dynamically, right? So meaning once you define how a song is going to start, my next challenge is always trying to hear where it can possibly go and what is out of bounds and what's in bounds uh, from that sense. So, you know, like in this band, we, we talk a lot about peaks and valleys and how we're going to develop those. So like, where's the climax going to be? Where are the low points going to be? How do we get there? How long should it take? And, you know, you define some of those elements and then you work on filling the spaces in between. So if I start to feel comfortable about where a song might go based on a couple of riffs or moments, it always comes back to defining rhythmic concepts. You know, I'm a very rhythmic thinker and, and I feel like rhythmic themes that you use in a song are going to dictate the dynamics of the tune and the energy of the tune. So I know that was a long answer, but do you guys relate to that at all? Oh uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely relate to that. Um, as far as the rhythm is concerned, you can, that can go in so many, so many directions. Oh, absolutely. Me, when I, I mean, a lot of the writing that I do is um, derived from experimentation and just kind of noodling around and come up with a riff and some kind of rhythm that I like and generally I just record it and play over it sing over it and um, just kind of immerse myself in like this one small section of of a rhythm and then I will create from there and some of those pieces that I can create from this rhythm I'll, you know I'll take and I'll set them off to the side and then come up with another idea based on that rhythm that came out of the original rhythm and then kind of grow things that way. It's interesting. It sounds like it's almost kind of like a, like a tree trunk branching into different, different branches, different ideas. And I know just from writing alongside you, it, it's, it's something that we've definitely taken ideas that started from one branch and then they kind of move over to a different branch, depending on the feel and what fits. And uh, it's, it's definitely interesting kind of putting all those pieces together. I know for me, I mean, on the drum side of things, it's a little bit of a different approach, um, but, but I've been fortunate, you know, most of the projects that, that I've been involved in over the years have functioned in a way where writing the drum parts has, has really kind of been a reactionary thing. Uh, I've never had to come up with a, a drum part that was kind of used as the main building block for a song to, to come together. I mean, I, I typically have a lead guitar part or a guitar and vocals or, you know, a couple, you know, bass guitar, whatever that's, that's pre-written and put together. And then I, I kind of craft my, my drum parts from that, certainly in our project. And, and also currently in Werewolves, uh, play with Kate McGarvey in the past, a uh, very similar um, process there. So, but, but with that in mind, there's still a lot of decisions to make uh, once you get into it. It's not purely reactionary. Once we start kind of building that groove and, and that aesthetic, 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, behind the beat, uh, you know, it, it mo- mostly I'm just looking at energy uh, and you guys touched on that too, with the rhythmic part. I mean, energy, the, how the energy flows through a song is, is really my favorite thing to dissect uh, when really actively listening and, and diving into music. And I think energy just determines, uh, determines everything and, and how the energy flows through a track or, or even sometimes through whole albums straight, to, uh, straight through um, makes a huge difference. And so it, it determines the groove, it determines the dynamics and, and the intensity of the backbeat and how that, that tension and release in the, in the drum pattern fits within that, that flow of energy. So uh, that, that's my main focus when, when it comes to writing is, is just how that energy moves. And I will say too, it, it took me many years to understand this, uh, less can often be more. And uh, as a young drummer, all I wanted to do was just beat the crap out of my drums as loud and as fast as I could for as long as I could. And I thought that's, you know, that's, that's what all the great drummers do. I'm watching all these guys shred and they're just going a mile a minute. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until my ears really developed that I, that I, you know, understood how silence and space will make whatever part you build around it uh, all the more interesting. And now I almost try to make the space carry the groove and build interesting patterns behind it and and within it uh, more than, than vice versa. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that probably took me longer to understand about a lot of music, um, as well as just learning how to use that empty space and how to use you know rests and accents on different things to kind of accentuate the patterns and rhythms that you're trying to portray in your music. Um, I really like the idea of of repeating different rhythms in different ways as well like in in the stuff that i like or that i write uh where say you know there'll be a specific pattern that the bass drum is is doing at the start of the song and then i'll bring that back as um you know the guitar is strumming uh a chord to that same rhythm later in the song as everyone else is doing something differently and just kind of moving that around in different ways is it kind of helps me uh, come up with new ideas when I'm trying to write stuff. Um, and then back to tunings, uh, open tunings have been something I've been fiddling around with a lot more lately that is just a, it's a great way to get a different perspective on your instrument, I think. Um, you, you look at those intervals between your strings a lot differently when you're using a different tuning like that. And it's just uh, a good way to get the creative juices flowing, you know? Dude, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, I'm a total sucker for like open strings on guitar. Yeah, I'll do I've a been, lot. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, that's all right. I've, I've been all about that, that dad gad tuning lately. Oh yeah, the, like the Celtic sounding one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's crazy how. Fun. I don't know. It, it's crazy. Maybe it's just because you know you learn how to play guitar in standard, and mm-hmm. you're so used to the open B and the open E, um, that even a simple change up as such as tuning suddenly like breathes completely different life into the instrument yeah like you took you know, all of a sudden it's a completely different emotion that you get out of it and it just kickstart um you know maybe creativity i like what you said earlier about recurring themes of rhythm i think yeah. we do that a lot in orenda's music but I, I it's such a simple idea right to to have recurring themes that maybe have different forms like you said it, maybe it's something as simple as a kick pattern that grows into something much bigger, or maybe even not bigger, just something that's subtle and um, happens again later. 
yeah and that's i mean that's that's the thing about like songs that you can listen to over and over and over again and you just like you you pick up little um like nuances like that through repeated listens of the same thing that always just it, it keeps me coming back to those same bands that have all these little you know almost easter eggs hidden throughout their music that they're writing and it always just gets me super jacked every time i listen to a song that i've listened to you know a hundred times before and i hear something i've never noticed before and i, I don't know i try and do that too i try and emulate that and just because i love it so much you know i i want want to have other people listening to what i make have the same experience that i have listening to other things kind of yeah that's a really good point maybe it's something we, I, I need to use more often but again really simple tool and so incredibly effective. I mean, I think everyone talking on this podcast right now, I think we definitely have some love for progressive rock. Um, and that's, I feel like that's something that happens on a lot of even like stereotypical progressive rock albums, you know, that there's like a recurring theme, almost like a classical composition that kind of gets played throughout the album or maybe even throughout, across, you know, across multiple albums. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah, excellent tool. Uh, I wanted to follow up on what Scene had said too, because there's something to be said about about really honing in on on a rhythm that you can repeat for a while, and even maybe get you know hypnotize yourself a little bit. But then you can really start to focus on like the texture of a riff, and where you, you may play a certain riff the same way multiple times and just build up on it. But one small change to the texture starts to be that much more impactful, you know, because you you built like a like a precedence and then you make a change and that you know suddenly that change is that much more impactful based on what came before it but seeing i don't know if that's what you were getting at but you know that's kind of high up kind of how i interpret some of the things that you do yeah yeah i'd say that's a, a good way to put it into words sometimes it's hard hard to find those words on what your creative process is and what exactly you're thinking about it because for me it's more about the feeling that I'm getting from what I'm doing and what I'm listening to. Yeah. And I think it's an important distinction here too, is that, well, we, you know, we all play a variety of instruments, but we're going to listen to different things within the music because we have, we might have different goals, right. That we might want to achieve within the, the format of this band and whatnot. But, you know, that's something we'll touch on later, but um, it's a good thing to mention ahead of time. Um, let's move on to this next topic, which I think is going to be kind of interesting. I, I got a feeling we're all going to say very different things here, but uh, what do you do when you need inspiration or you're feeling uninspired? Um, once again, I'll go ahead and jump into it. I, I think I have a pretty generic answer that might sound really cheesy, but I really do look for inspiration in all sorts of places. I think that's, I think what's really important to me is, is not that I'm constantly inspired. Um, or even searching, but at least that I'm open to it, right? That I'm kind of attentive to something that might come my way that might be in, might be inspirational. Um, I, I always say it's like catching lightning in a bottle because you can't force creativity. It really kind of comes at the worst times, <laughs> I think, um, at least I've found in my life. But uh, yeah, the, the primary thing I'll do is just dive into music that challenges me and that doesn't you know that can mean anything it doesn't mean like oh it's so technical i don't understand it I, it could just be something different and unique 
for my for my typical catalog. I don't try to steal ideas from a lot of music I listen to, but admittedly, I listen to as much as I can to just draw from from the tools that I hear. So, and for the last six years, I've been in a pretty deep hole of of experimental rock music. So that which also happens to coincide with picking up bass. So I don't know, maybe maybe there's a link there. But some of these some of the big genres as of late for me are post rock and prog rock and obviously prog rock has a lot of jazzy elements is usually like incredibly tightly composed and um and really technical but my current addiction is post rock stuff and I'll, I'll explain why i i think it challenges me to think outside of how i previously have looked at music templates i think you know post rock is a lot more about texture and odd structures ambience you know dynamics uh, you're not sitting and thinking about a specific chord progression because it works, you know, for a specific reason. You're not justifying all of your decisions with theory. And I think that's what's so great about it. Like you can you can toss out all these rigid rules and, and just write from less of a, a logical angle and and a little bit more from an emotional angle. And I feel like I've almost always thought a little bit too logically. Um, so I feel like as of late, that's opened a lot of doors for me. I know that. Cena and I talk about these elements a lot. I mean, we joked, you know, a couple of months ago, like, what, what if we write a five minute swell, <laughs> you know, it just, just starts from nothing. And then by the end of it, it's like a rolling train. And it's, it almost, you know, we, we almost want to like test the patience of a listener. I mean, uh, again, that just speaks to trying to attack things from, from a different uh, way of thinking. So, and then, you know, one more thing, sorry for all the long answers here, fellas, but one more thing is I do a lot of journaling um, and meditating lately. So in, in recent years, I've been trying to explore personal traumas more. And I've found that it can actually be really easy to kind of jump into um, an uncomfortable headspace, so to speak. And although that might be uncomfortable, it's provided like a lot of fuel for expression. So... There's my long answer. When I'm feeling uninspired, I've tried lots of different things. It's kind of a, a, a journey in itself to figure out what, you know, makes you or causes you to be able to access whatever it is that, um, that conduit of creativity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in the past I've, tried to change my set and setting like I've got my family has some land and some really quiet space out in the woods and I've always loved to go up there and just kind of you know do the whole unplug thing and um, kind of isolate myself from what my normal everyday life looks like and uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't uh, another way was, is, you know, trying to listen to music that I would normally not listen to. And an example of that is I've been kind of like you, I've been in pretty similar genre, you know, listening to a similar genre for quite a while. Um, a lot of rock, different genres of rock music. And, uh, one of the more recent things I started listening to is kind of that indie, indie folk genre, um, things like Brandy Carlisle and 
um, some Chris Stapleton. I know that's kind of a household name, but no, but um, they're excellent. Brandy the, Carlisle the story, is killer. Yeah, the, the what I really love about him is the storytelling, um, and I think even if you're, uh, you know, the music is good too as well, but some of that storytelling that they do is it can really transport you into you know to somewhere else and I think as important as the music can be and um, guiding the player or the listener's emotion so can the words that accompany it you know so just experiencing some kind of new story sometimes helps me get into a creative mindset Oh, that's super cool. And it's an important, uh, it's an important distinction. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't sing, I just play the drums. So when it comes to writing for me, I write the drum part, you know, you're, you're writing guitar parts that have to display a certain rhythm and energy and attitude, but then also you're, you have to get into a, you know, maybe it's the same creative space, maybe it's a different creative space to, to write lyrics and to, you know, to come up with vocal parts. And, uh, I, I'm curious how, that process is maybe different, uh, you know, or like you said, maybe, maybe it's just more in finding the right inspiration for each specific part. Like how you said, a story can kind of put you in that different setting to, to tackle those. Is there, is it a similar process for you vocally versus guitar or are they kind of different? Um, you know, I would say they resemble each other fairly closely. Um, because I talked earlier about immersing myself in a in a rhythm well i can do that by sitting around and noodling on the guitar over the top of it to see what directions i want to go instrumentally but i can also do the same just to immerse myself in that rhythm and and sing or hum if i don't have any words and just kind of see where my vocals want to go with it and sometimes words just kind of will pop into my head and I can kind of build the story based on these these words that kind of just spark out of nowhere and so sometimes I'll go into it with an idea of what I want to write about and the other times that just kind of happens as I'm experimenting. That's super cool. I bet I bet if we interviewed a hundred lyricists you'd get 95 different answers on what that process looks like and how, oh, yeah. how each person kind of, kind of goes about it. You know, it's, it's, I mean, and it's weird for, I mean, I'm a writer by trade. I grew up in newspaper reporting and, and did, you know, almost 10 years of that as a career. And I mean, I've, I've been, been a writer my whole life and I can't even fathom where you got to start to write a song. It's just never been something that, that I've had the creative ability to do. So yeah, I, I, it's interesting to, to hear about that process and how that can be similar, like you said, but, but still kind of differs from, uh, you know, writing, uh, instrumental music and, and, you know, how they kind of go hand in hand while still being, being separate things, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I know, you know, for me, you know, when I'm uninspired and when I need to try to, you know, break that, that block, whatever's there mentally, I mean, I, I've always learned best by ear. Um, you know, it's, it's been the primary way that I can learn music. I mean, I grew up, with traditional training and I, I can still reach music and I, I refer to it, you know, a lot when I need to, um, but through many jazz projects over the years and, and just, uh, you know, through education, I, I was able to train my ears to really 
dissect individual parts in a song and, and just kind of mentally piece them back together. And, and so when I'm struggling to, to play or to, to write, um, and I need inspiration, and I agree with, with what you said, Alex, just finding something that, that challenges me. And I, I find that just accessing, you know, that, that part of my brain that, that has to dissect something new and figure out how the kick pattern is reinforcing, you know, the bass hits behind the crunchy breakdown or how a specific goat note, uh, ghost note pattern on the snare uh, gives the vocals kind of a crispness that's, you know, reinforcing them. I mean, it, it reconnects those pathways in the brain and gets you thinking on, on that creative plane again. And that's, that's often where I have to go to, to break, uh, you know, a block if I'm, I'm just not playing cleanly or if uh, that, that creativity isn't there. And I found for, for me too, you know, even if this means going back and listening to something that I've, I've heard before, but maybe never truly dissected. I mean, I think, I think many musicians get this, but there's a huge difference between listening to music for enjoyment and actively listening from a learning standpoint. And uh, like we talked about, I mean, I listen to a lot of prog metal and a lot of prog metal confuses me and makes my brain hurt. But sometimes, you know, I just listen to it for entertainment value and enjoy what's happening. But other times I listen to it and I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm tapping out patterns to, to really just try to internalize what's what's going on and, and, and learn it from, from that standpoint. And they're very different experiences, you know, listening uh, one way versus the other. But ultimately, that's what, for me, I've been able to, you know, to, to break that block if I'm struggling to come up with inspiration, dissecting somebody else's work. Uh, you know, as, as a drummer really kind of adds their tools to my toolbox, so to speak. I always thought that was kind of the, uh, like the indication of a, a really great, like prog metal band is that it's easily accessible enough where you can just sit and listen to it and not think about it, or, you know, even focus on something else that you're doing. But if you really pay attention to it, you really, you can dig as deep as you want to kind of a thing, you know? you'll find more as you keep keep looking for it um absolutely totally agree with that yeah and uh i mean as as far as inspiration stuff goes i mean what everyone says is i mean i think we've all hit on different things at different times trying to find stuff but i think the the best thing for me has always just been to try and consistently write um even i'm not always the best at it but even if it's like you know half an hour sit down a day and just try and write something and even if you know nine days out of ten i'm just putting stupid notes on a page that just it's come back to it later and i just delete it because i don't care for it, it or whatever and you know you might catch that one day where inspiration just happens strike to strike and you, you catch it at the right time and you get something great. Um, otherwise, I, I think a, a big thing for me is um, learning new scales um, and just kind of noodling around them, uh, which is both, you know, helps me technically while also kind of helps me break out of my typical patterns that I will go for or I'd go like a rut that I might be stuck in. Um, I think all of the favorite like things that I've written myself have been from just like, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV and like noodling around with a new scale and I'll just kind of play something within that scale and be like, oh, that was cool. So I 
you know, write it down or put it in Guitar Pro or something and just build a song out of it. And I like, I think my favorite song I've ever written came from doing that. Um, yeah, I, that, that's all I've got. Don't have any, think, any, any secrets. I think that's, that's a great point. What you said about, um, breaking out of, uh, you know, a, a pattern that you've maybe been stuck in. Um, and on top of that, just the, the repetition of, of trying to write or trying to accomplish something, even though you may not be successful. I mean, I think that just to keep going and keep working at it is, is the most important part to being able to find your creativity, you know? Right. And um, I, I, even if it's a day where it's like, you're not feeling super inspired, at least you're still like, you know, you're working those creative muscles and like yep. keeping it in shape. And so when, when that, that moment does strike, you're, you're ready to capture it, you know? That's a good point. You know, we talked with our recent guest about how you kind of thought that with COVID you'd have all this time to play your instruments, right? <laughs> like, okay, we're stuck at home. So yeah, I'm just gonna play guitar forever. And by the end of it, I'm going to be a shredder and I'm going to be amazing. Um, but it's almost really ironic that at least I have, there have been times where I really struggled to even look at my instrument. I got all this time and there's really nothing stopping me other than I don't actually want to do it. Right. It's, it's ironic. Like I, I have all this time, but I don't feel creative or expressive in the moment. So, um, I don't if you, did you guys confront that at all with COVID and having to be, you know, s stuck with your ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I, same here. It, it comes back to what you're talking about before, Alex. With the stuff, it seems like you have your most inspired moments at like the worst possible time. Yes. Um, I mean, it's. I think I I have more cool ideas or ideas that sound cool in my head at least. Like after my morning meeting every day, when I have a million things to do at work and I have, like have no chance to jot anything down or even like try and remember what I'm thinking of and later in the day I'm always just like oh I had a great idea earlier and I didn't write it down it's gone <laughs> that is so true <laughs> there's something to be said about like being really stressed out and uh maybe kind of contriving something really awesome in your head I used to at, at work um it, we our office was next to a warehouse and I would just jump into the warehouse and walk around bring my phone with me and um record myself humming a bunch of stupid ideas <laughs> but awesome it's idea. better than nothing you know and not to call them out but like with my first band we didn't record anything and every now and then I think back and I'm like there's so many ideas that that will never be heard again and they might have been cool now admittedly even in current bands that I'm in we do record everything and scene can attest to this but like you don't use it all in fact you might yeah. even use like 15% of it so it's like yeah. you know it, you record it you don't use it you don't record it you're mad that you didn't record it because you might have used it. Like, what's wrong with us? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's that's part of the process. Uh, I, I want to follow up on something that Scene had said earlier, but the idea of kind of disconnecting from your typical stimuli. Um, I don't, I haven't really tried that other than meditation, but I, I almost feel like I'm the opposite. Like I kind of have to be knee deep in um, I don't want to say stressful stimuli, but that like 
I think I would, I think disconnecting myself completely, like taking a trip away from, from home and from, you know, the typical uh, elements would actually, I don't even know if I could put it in words, but I'm not sure that it would be as productive for me, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. That's just something that I don't typically do, but I have to imagine at least for you seeing, it's probably so that you could hear that inner voice a lot better, you know, without distraction and et cetera. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like I said, it, it doesn't work every time. Sometimes I get up to the, the shack and just kind of end up not doing anything creative. Sometimes I just kind of hang out because like, you know, just like you, I brought all the, the guitars and something to record with, but then I get up there and I play for a little bit and it's better just to relax. Yeah, and then you're like, ah, I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's it's so sad, but it's true. Um, and I wanted to touch on another point that Kyle had made earlier that, you know, like some of the greatest music, you know, you don't really have to pay attention to to in order to enjoy it, but you can dig as deep as you want to. And that's that's why I'm obsessed with with like technical music. At times, I understand that it doesn't fit every emotion or feeling, but I kind of just enjoy being perplexed, you know? Um, I, I like not understanding how something happened or why it worked and then kind of having to dig deeper to, to evaluate it and attach some sort of meaning to it. Um, I realize that that's probably not a popular approach, uh, but I, I don't know. In my head, I want to be a crazy technical guitar player, and I'll probably never be that, and that's okay. But you know, <laughs> if I keep if I can keep approaching things that way, then maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll get a little closer. I I mean I I I agree. I I think it's it's always interesting to you know experience something new from like instruments that you're so familiar with and that you've spent so much time with yourself and you you hear this sound or rhythm or whatever's happening with the person, what the person's doing. And you're just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, I'm sure that's anyone and everyone who's listened to Tosin Abasi has experienced that at some point. Oh yeah. I I love, and I hate that he has put out uh, like technique videos on the internet these days, because it's, it's amazing to see it and like kind of put the pieces together on how he makes all the crazy cascading sounds that he does. Um, but at the same time, it almost like takes the magic away a little bit. Like, Oh yeah. You're looking behind the curtain and it's like, Oh, okay. He's a human. All right. Right. Yeah, there's something to be said about like having to have mystery. Right. And it's right. I mean, it's like how Van Halen always used to play his eruption solo, like when they played it live, he'd play it facing away from the crowd because he didn't want anyone to know how he was doing it. Right. No, that's a good point. It reminds me of um, a quote. It, what is it? Is it, or a term? Is it suspension of disbelief? Is that what it is? Uh, maybe that doesn't apply. I might have to delete that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if that really relates, but no, you got a good point that um, you, you can appreciate something. And then once you look behind the curtain, it something, you know, it takes the magic away, but and not to mention, now you're, you're hearing that sound, that unique sound that Tosin has, and you're hearing it replicated. 
Oh yeah. All right, yeah. So you're starting to hear in other sources, which is, is always going to happen. Music breeds music and, and whatnot, right. but, but you're right. You're starting to see like cover videos of bleed by Mashuga, like people playing that with that, like double thumb thumping technique and stuff. And just a bunch of silly stuff like that. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Um, and, and I should mention with the previous point, like, it's not that, you know, I see something technical and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go achieve that now. No, that's not even really what I mean. I mean, sometimes the opposite is just as impactful and listening to something that's like really stripped down and it's almost kind of hard to tell what the structure is, right? Just even something as simple as like a, like an ambient noise band where you may not understand the logic to, to what they're doing. But anyway, um, let's move on to a, a, the next topic. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about what has traditionally worked for our respective bands. Um, number one, because I think we'll be able to draw some pretty strong contrast, which I hope is the case. I guess we'll find out. But um, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about how Arenda Fugue has maybe traditionally operated when it comes to kind of navigating creativity. And then the, uh, the same with Thunderlung. So hopefully, Kyle, you can give us all the information that we need and, and maybe steal it for our own personal use. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um but yeah I, I i have to imagine that it can be tough to be bandmates with me at times i'll totally admit it because i will often push to not repeat myself or repeat something that we've done before um so that i can't help it it's like a switch in my brain like i'm always looking to to go outside of the box uh whatever that might mean in the moment um you know in in or in a fugue and ghost of the sun we all members come up with various ideas we we share them freely. Senior and I, we bounce ideas off each other all day when it comes to Arenda. Um, and it, and I think we'd like to approach it in a variety of ways. We, I don't think we've ever actually said that out loud, but you know, sometimes it'll be something as abstract as um, achieving imagery, right? Like looking at a painting and somehow transforming that into an, an audible response or, or the opposite. And it just starts off with a really cool riff that one of us writes, but seeing you, you want to add to that by chance? Um, as far as Arenda Fugue's creative process, I mean, I think it's been ever evolving. We're always kind of getting inspired by one thing or another, it seems, and then um, trying to implement that into our music. Um, on a more basic level, a lot of times, you know, one of us will come up with a riff and bring it to the group and kind of just get everybody's vote on it. And then other times, a lot, a lot of times I'll come up with a riff for a verse and maybe a verse and chorus and have some kind of vocal melody and then bring it to the group and see what everybody thinks. and. One of the things I used to do was I really relied heavily on everybody else's input, you know, um, to try and piece the whole picture together. And that's one thing I've, I've tried to push myself to do over the last year, year and a half, especially during, during COVID was to try and put together a, a complete picture to bring to the group instead of relying on um, the other instruments to dictate where 
where a song goes. And neither one of those things is good or bad. I think they both have their place because I definitely appreciate the creative input that everybody else has. But there are also times where I have this image in my head or I have this sound and feeling in my head that I want to be conveyed and it never ends up being exactly how I've heard it in my head and generally it ends up better, which is what I appreciate most about our creative process as a group. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that too, because um, it, it, it's funny because we, I think we as a band, we look at it and we do everything very, uh, you know, democratically, um, you know, not, not even just writing decisions, but what are we going to do with uh, album art and merch? And what are we going to do with uh, our social media? And what are, you know, all the different things that we talk about as, as far as, you know, how we want to handle things, we, we really do handle it as a, as a group. And, and that's not how all groups do it. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it necessarily. But like you, like you said, sometimes it can be, you know, the opposite where, you know, I, I mean, on one hand, it's great to have everyone's input. On the other hand, sometimes there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And if you've got an idea, you know, like you said, map it out in the full and then let everyone else kind of kind of weigh in. And I know that in particular, I know we've been doing more of that uh, as we move on from our first album, Rebel, and on to the, you know, the new stuff that we're writing. Um, I know that's worked really well for me, provided more of a, a roadmap to follow. I think it's allowing me on the on the drum side of things to create more interesting parts and and you know everything that, that you and alex talked about um up to this just just about uh the imagery and and you know the atmosphere that you guys are creating in that you know initial writing um really kind of sets that foundation for me and i you know i was fortunate when i first joined the renda fugue uh you know the original drummer todd uh, did a great job uh you know writing the initial parts uh, to many of the songs on the first album and um i had some really great roadmaps to work with and, and it definitely made the writing process uh, faster and, and easier for me to come up with uh, with some creative uh, pieces and you know for all of our new material uh, you know seeing you've been doing a great job of mapping out your ideas in full and and not even so much you know hey here's a here's a verse here's a here's a riff but but hey here's the beginning uh, you know building blocks of an actual song structure and uh, you know you've been doing great with sending uh, us you know inspiration through recording your uh, ideas and um, even even from the drum side, again, adding that electronic like drum loop behind it, that kind of, you know, even if it's not, you're not telling me, hey, I want the drums exactly like this loop, but by providing it, you give me kind of a feel at least for that tension and release that needs to be there. And, and, and you know, ultimately, uh, I feel like a lot of times, you know, the parts that I end up writing are very different from the loops that you put under the initial tracks, but uh, that tension and release is oftentimes very similar. And so, um, it's been interesting for me, the more that you guys kind of provide me with that, that roadmap. Um, I've been very fortunate to have those, those roadmaps to follow in, in this project. And um, it, was, it was similar, but a little different when I joined uh, werewolves too. Uh, originally I joined, uh, I joined them in sort of an emergency situation just to fill in last minute for a, for a show. And uh, I had one practice to learn all the tunes uh, and, and prepare um, and I took a lot of notes and just kind of mapped out each song's structure and, and tried to keep things 
simple for that first show. And, and now, uh, three, four years later, uh, I still have those original notes and I've uh, used them to kind of create my own parts that, that fit well within the tracks. And, you know, there may be different, uh, methods of writing between, uh, how we craft songs with the Renda Fuse and how, uh, we've crafted songs with, uh, with Werewolves. But in the end, we still, uh, still end up with that solid finished product. It's, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about, uh, how you do writing in a Renda Fuse because, I mean, I've always been, or Thunderlong, I guess, has, has kind of been going in the opposite direction. Because um, uh, Drew, uh, Andrew Jarvis, and I have been friends forever, and we've played music together forever. And we, I mean, we have been writing songs and sending them to each other via Guitar Pro or whatever we're using at the time. And then we'd learn them and get together and play them. Um, but now with Thunderlung, uh, as we're, we've all gotten more locked in or whatever, as time has gone on, and I mean, it's kind of, it's going in the opposite direction where we'll start with a riff or a collection of riffs and come together and just figure it out together kind of a thing is, is, has been our, our process, especially with our new stuff. Um, our original EP was, I mean, it, that was all, that was all Drew. He, he wrote like 90% of that music and we just came in and learned it and maybe changed some things here and there, but most, mostly it was, it was all on his shoulders there, but with this, the new stuff that we're writing, I mean, it's actually been a, a group effort and we've, we've just kind of changed the direction from, you know, where we started. And it's uh, kind of, it's a, it's, it's a nice way that our, our, uh, our band sound is evolving, I think, in that regard, because it's, you know, not just one person's voice, but all of our voices, you know, combined or intermixing, I guess. That's really interesting to hear that you guys have changed it, because, you know, for the longest time, that's what I understood as well, that a lot of it is written maybe by Drew with a little bit of input from the rest of the guys. And it's, um, it's really about kind of fulfilling his, what he's hearing, right? And, right. and meeting meeting that expectation or meeting that image, I, I try to put myself in that shoes because it's, it's it's a really interesting way. I've just never done it that way, I've, um, so it's really interesting to hear that. And then to hear that you guys are switching it up is also really exciting. Um, I'm a huge fan. Ben saw you guys first and was like, "You got you need to check out this band. They're amazing." <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't for like a good year and a half. And then when I finally did, I was like, "Wow, nothing sounds like this in this area. It's so it's so well contrived and like crazy tight." And um, yeah, there's a lot of metal bands in in the region and maybe even in the state, but I I think it stands out. Uh, I don't know, almost like a. It's incredibly riffy, and mastodon like, but. It, it never sounds repetitive. We do love our riffs. riffs yeah. Are fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, that's like I said, we've all, um, we've all become, become really locked in. Like I know Justin, our drummer and I, like we've always been pretty solid, but I feel like we've, I mean, it's, we're like a rhythm section now. Like it's, we're just, we're set and it's, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun just to, mess around and i mean i think the last thing the or the most recent song that we've been working on for that it was literally just drew sent us an email with uh numbers and the numbers were just 
you know, the notes on your fretboard that you're hitting in the order you're hitting them in, no rhythms, no nothing. And we came to practice the next time and he just started playing it. And we just all just kind of just came up with something and just put it together. And it's the start of our newest song. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's really fun to do it that way. It's like, I've never really personally done songwriting in that way before. And it's, it's really cool to just kind of see the way that we can bounce ideas off of each other. And yeah, I don't know. To be fair, Kyle, that's probably the first time that's ever happened in history. So yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard of people sending emails with random numbers and that turning into a sweet song. So I mean, it was, it was, it was I guess it was, it was less, <laughs> less obscure, but than that, but it was, uh, I think it was literally just like a, a, the title of the email was like, something that was obviously a song title and sure. that it was just a string of numbers. And I think he had like a, a super rough recording of him playing it or something like that on it. <laughs> That's awesome. And we came together and just kind of just made the start to a new song at, at the next practice. And the next practice. When we, when we, you know, eventually get Thunderlung on here to talk about your next album, you're going to have to probably retell that story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Well, seen. you're going to have to take some inspiration for that, man. Send an email with numbers, dude. Okay. I'm going to send one with pictures, and then you'll have to decipher <laughs> it from there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, one thing, if you don't mind me interrupting. Oh, no, go ahead. Of course. Um, Kyle mentioned, uh, you know, everybody getting together and bouncing ideas off of each other and I think that's that's one thing that uh, Arenda Fugue as a band has always been really good at um, is kind of that somebody comes up with an idea and we do the whole trial and error thing and see what works, see what doesn't. And we've never really been um, afraid of throwing something out the window, which I think is is good. And some of my favorite times are when everybody's in the jam space and we're just, I believe I'm quoting you, Alex, where you take it and throw it against the wall and see what sticks type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, um, I mean, I'd like to think that a lot of rock bands kind of write that way, but but no, I have to agree with you that I feel like we're pretty efficient about it. You know, on, 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 a, on an average night, we'll pump out some really good ideas that we're really happy with. Um, it, I mean, maybe that is normal for everybody, but I you know there's something to be said about that process. I think, I think we communicate well, um, Kyle, you were talked, you know, talking about being really locked in with your drummer as a bass player and it's, there's like no better feeling. Yeah. It's the best. I swear. Yeah. Like there's I, like... Before I ever really started playing bass, like you'd hear bass players talk about finding the pocket and it, it's just it i feel like it's one of those things where you can't really know what it means until you're experiencing it and you're you're a part of it with like the rhythm section of the band that you're in and it, it feels great nope it's true and um i'm lucky enough to be able to play with ben and we've developed like a lot of chemistry over time but there's definitely something to be said about having that locked in and having your your drummer and your bassist be on the same page i actually this <laughs> The first thing I think about is this meme of all things that I shared on Ben's page. And it's um, 
it's Rocky running towards his trainer and giving him a hug. And it's like, <laughs> it's like if when you're the bassist and you find the perfect drummer and that's exactly what it's like. It's like, yes. Yes. We can on the other hand, the though, <laughs> on the other hand, whenever we play a show and one of us messes up, like we're the first, the first one that notices it. And, uh, <laughs> we're true. definitely ragging on each other afterwards, you know? Oh, that's true. And that's, again, that's your role as a bass player, right? You get to be percussion and you get to be melody. Uh-huh. At the same time, like the best, not to rag on being a guitar player by any means. I mean, I was a guitar player first and foremost, but bass is so much less stressful. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I started playing guitar before I started playing bass and I got to say big guitar is the best guitar. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that it's like easier per se. I mean, it's really not, it's a different role, but it's, it's, I can close my eyes and just groove. Yeah, and sure. I feel like when I'm playing guitar, my body is stiff like a statue, and I'm <laughs> making sure I don't. There's so many, there's there's so much room for error on guitar, and then when you screw up, everybody knows it too. And when you're on bass and you screw up, it's cool, it's jazz. Yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> nobody, nobody heard that. That was intentional. Um, but I have to put in a shameless plug here because we talk. You know, we just got done talking about how, especially in Arenda Fugue and, and Kyle, your band as well, that that our approaches are evolving. And I would say that's maybe not even entirely reflected really well in the first album, right? I feel like it's, it's hard to really depict it, but the amount of growth that we've done beyond the album, knowing no one's had a chance to hear it, right? Especially when we haven't played a whole ton of live shows considering the circumstances. But I guess this is really me saying that the next album is going to be very dynamically different um, and probably for the better, if you want to use that word, but especially with Kyle on board. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Shameless plug. Here's your opportunity. <laughs> yeah, Thunderlung too. Yeah. Oh yeah, those guys too. All that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You. Yeah. You guys too. I guess. <laughs> well, on that note, let's go ahead and move on to the final topic. You. Uh, I want to kind of review something you guys mentioned earlier that really any given song, while it's a singular platform, it's one song, but it can be a collection of all sorts of sources for inspiration because of all mm-hmm. the different folks involved the different instruments and the different layers and that's what makes music so awesome right kyle mentioned easter eggs earlier and it's like well every tune may have a multitude of sources of inspiration or easter eggs that that led to various compositional decisions and you're never really going to know the full picture unless you're the ones writing the music but there's that mystery as the listener right so um but it's you know again you have very different people like us trying to accomplish a singular goal so that kind of leads me to my next topic. Um, how do you guys learn music, right? How do you intake it? Uh, it's it's obvious that we have different approaches even amongst ourselves right here. Um, but how you learn it ties into challenges when you're collaborating and teaching somebody else. You can come up with a million ideas, but translating it to somebody else is almost an art form in, in itself. So how do you guys approach it? I guess that, I guess seeing you go ahead and start off. I would say that I have a pretty atypical approach to learning music. Um, to be honest, I haven't really learned a lot of songs that are, are played by my favorite musicians or bands or or what have you. Um, I obviously had to start somewhere when I was when I first started playing guitar. I used tabs and I took lessons for a little while and basically just enough to get myself 
familiar with um, with the fretboard and what my left and right hand needed to do. And then I got my first piece of equipment beyond beyond a guitar and an amp, which was a loop station. And I'd take a riff from you know song X and learn the chords and then I'd take those that chord progression and I'd make my own chord progression and then I'd run it through the looper and I would just sit there for way too long just um, improvising over the top of it and figuring out figuring out what sounds good and what I don't like and you know it's kind of a um, atypical way of doing things but that's generally how I learned how to play music. That's pretty dang cool though because uh, I mean I would agree it's it's unique and it takes advantage of the modern technology that's available to you you know and and you of all people that I know um, you utilize guitar technology really well right I mean obviously we, we love pedals but you have the finest pedal board probably in the Eau Claire city limits um, <laughs> but you know that, that that's unique because more or less you taught yourself through repetition and being able to loop your own ideas you know I, I've never done things that way and it's 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 it explains your style of playing it's it's incredibly organic you know but I yeah, just putting that out there I mean like myself I'm not a sheet reader I mean I certainly did read sheet music when I was in band and choir in high school but it was always at a rather rudimentary level other than rhythm you know I loved digesting rhythm visually you know to see it and to feel it and to connect those two there's something special about that it's, it's probably my prominent lens that I digest music through is rhythmically I spend a lot of time um, focusing on mm -hmm. what's being stressed and trying to figure out the time signature obviously it's always the first thing I do um, but also because of spending time in choir I, I sharpened my vocal harmonization skills so that helps a lot because if you come to me with an idea my you know i might jump right into determining what a perfect harmony is for that in my head and that i was fascinated with that skill when i first saw somebody that could just harmonize on the spot right like how how do you do that and even nowadays i don't know how to describe it you just you just do <laughs> you just hear it in your head you hear the intervals and then you jump to it and it becomes easier and easier and easier and that lends itself well to the things that we try to achieve in the end of few but you know guitar speak going back to guitar it's not the beauty of the instrument is you don't have to use a specific language you know you, you just don't you don't even you don't need a master theory in order to be able to to, to really speak that language it's it's funny to hear you mention that um, you know because I obviously just just playing a, a non-stringed instrument it's a different approach for for me a lot of times and I remember I think a while ago you shared a, a, a hard times article with me uh, the you know singer tells drummer that uh, drum part should be more ba dum bum bum instead of bum da dum bum bum you know yeah. and, <laughs> and it's funny how sometimes we have to communicate that way because we don't speak the same language necessarily we speak different versions of it and and uh, you know it, it's funny how you guys can talk as, as, as guitar players and, and, and string instrument players and, and use terminology that you all understand uh, that I'm not as well versed in and, and vice versa. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I grew up learning sheet music uh, as well on all percussion instruments. Uh, I did not learn 
piano growing up, which was a disadvantage for me, and I would highly recommend anyone, everyone, uh, take the time to learn at least the basics on piano so you can establish a, you know, a base of, of just theory knowledge. And I, I missed out on that, but I, I was able to play marimba, xylophone, uh, other keyboard instruments growing up, but not very well. But uh, we we definitely tackled that that stage growing up and uh, learned primarily through sheet music, uh, you know, up until high school, and then. Um, I still read a lot of, still read a lot of sheet music in, in high school and even even now. But um, through jazz training and uh, you know things like that, I was I was forced to learn a lot of things by ear, and I think it, it advanced my understanding of, of music tremendously just in, in being able to use it as that communication tool. And now it's a skill that I use basically anytime I listen to music. Uh, you know, trying to dissect the underlying layers and, and using my ear to translate it into, uh, you know, I was in a uh, marching band in college and, and writing a lot of uh, drum cadences and, and so helping to, you know, transcribe other other cadences from different groups and, and take sections and, and put them together, uh, you know, kind of combining how I learn with how I write, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're different styles, but um, Ultimately, yeah. I mean, we talk about that that language that we speak to each other, and in the end, uh, for me, just just using my ear and trying to uh, navigate or translate what you guys are saying, whether it be verbally or uh, you know through your instruments. Um, ultimately, that's that's what's allowed me to learn and, and learn with with all of my projects. Yeah, I think that uh, everyone speaks to drummers in the same way, like or everyone that's not a drummer speaks to drummers the same way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind not of. me i use proper terms <laughs> oh yeah yeah right. yeah i'll be like hey that's a kick dude <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> nice nice, nice oh, kick bro no you went snare kick kick tom i want you to go with tom snare kick tom mm-hmm. yeah proper yep yep, yep very yeah pretty amazing i know yeah advanced yeah, yeah. big brain stuff uh, but yeah, yeah the, so that's that's drummer language 301 that's the upper level yeah <laughs> right right get that with your master's degree, right? Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, the um, I I also learned to read sheet music and everything growing up, started playing violin, um, and then moved to saxophone, and then learned all the saxophones, and then started playing guitar. Um, tried to play drums here and there a little bit, but I don't have good hand-foot coordination. Um, but I've also always wanted to learn piano because it, everyone who knows anything about piano has always told me that it's like the the best like starting point for really like doing a deep dive on like theory knowledge and stuff like that. Um, and I, I feel like just the the layout of of a piano, it it just it seems like it would be a, a the best tool to use for like composing um, music in that regard. I guess I don't know why. It's just the, the, always the way I've felt about it. Um, but I, I don't know how to play piano personally. Um, but yeah, the, I, even with all of that, uh, learning to read sheet music, and then I mean, I started learning tabs and stuff when I was started playing guitar. And I never really learned that many cover songs either on guitar. Um, it was more. I discovered tabs and then I discovered that you could use programs to write your own music with tabs and just kind of immediately dove into that. Um, and like I said before, uh, just wrote ideas and shared them with my friends and we would 
learn each other's ideas or expand upon each other's ideas and get together and just play them for fun. Um, and I think especially with, with Thunderlung and with like the, the relationship that we have with each other musically, like we've gotten to a point uh, as well where we've got some weird, weird rhythms and stuff in, in some of our music. And um, initially when you're, you're learning it, like you, you have to really just think about it, count out every beat and just, you know, you, you, you can't, it's, it's like the point where you, you're not even putting any feeling into it because you're thinking about it so hard. Um, but it's always the best when it gets to the point where you're comfortable enough with that, that strange rhythm or whatever it is that it just like, you just like forget to count about it or count it and you just kind of feel it instead. Right, like muscle memory at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's it's probably why I have such a. I'm I'm definitely a visual learner, and I think it's probably because of the way that I learned to play music, um, to begin with. That's why, especially with the Surrender Fugue stuff, getting all of those recordings and hearing them and trying to hear myself at the same time and trying to figure it out was a, a little overwhelming. <laughs> Right, and that's that's the dynamic difference that makes this all so interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, for sure. We joked about that the other day. That heck, no, dude, we're not writing tabs for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're joining us, so you conform to us. No, I'm just kidding. But but those differences are what you know makes this all interesting. And and you know, I think everything we talked about. This is what makes being in a band so fun, right? At the end of the day, we're we're pretty different folks collaborating with each other while teaching each other. And the result is usually some level of growth by everyone. So I, I think that's especially true in our interview where we have very different backgrounds and uh, we have a drummer in Ben who's got a crazy good ear and can figure anything out. Um, but yeah, the differences is what makes that, that, that end picture. So, so unique. So Yeah. That, and that's, I mean, that, I'm, that's what makes me the most excited about joining Renda too. It's like, I, I don't really know any of you guys that well so it's the first time i've ever really gone into a band like this and not already been like really good friends with someone or everyone in the band maybe um so it's it's really exciting for me to see the way or the direction everything's going to go since i you know just don't know you guys on a, a personal level super well you know yeah if, if you ask me i kind of i like that you know, again, for me, that's stepping outside of the box and yeah, not having sure. some, not having someone that really already understands us so well. It's it's going to that's a unique element and monkey wrench in all of this, and, yeah. and you know it's going to change us, in, to some degree, right? And certainly for the better, as I always say, that as long as you find a way to be in the middle, you're gonna you're gonna end up where you want to be, right? But this goes right back to the previous themes that we talked about earlier about stepping outside of the box and, and trying something new and seeing what the results are so we're happy to have you man happy to be here hopefully this podcast episode didn't turn into like you know hey this we're Arenda, <laughs> this is why we're so awesome yeah right because <laughs> <laughs> that was not the intent not the intent at all shameless self-promotion you gotta have some level of that but i mean it you know we can't help it we're in the same band we're yeah right talk about that um right 
know, but that, that, that's why we wanted to, to do this because even though we are in the same band, we still have different approaches. For sure. And, and different reason and, and justification behind what we do. But, but yeah, are there any, um, I think we're close to the end here. We, is there anything else you guys want to share about any of the previous topics? We've covered all sorts of stuff. Um, I don't remember who said it or even what exactly was said, but um, someone mentioned a pers- perspective on music. Um, I, I think that was seen. Yeah, and I have always thought about um, like the way I listen to music. Like I always, it seems like I always kind of tune into whatever instrument I'm thinking about the most personally. Um, and I always wonder how like non-musician people listen and hear music and like digest it. Like do they just listen to the singer. Are they paying attention to everything else that's going on or is it all just background noise? That's a really good point. It's something that we actually talk about in ghosts is that when you play in an instrumental band, um, you, you start to listen to music differently. Um, and it, it, I think it's just because we grew up listening to music that fits a specific format. And we always, we've trained our ears to, to say that, no, these instruments have very specific roles, right? And, and the only thing that I need to listen to is the voice. But when you strip that away, something as simple as um, a guitar, bass, drum setup, it, it feels completely different, you know? Yeah. Again, going back to the perspective thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's something we talk a lot about in Ghosts because it's like you can actually do something pretty simple um, that doesn't support a singer. You're not seeking to support a singer. You're not writing specific parts to say the spotlight's over here and I'm just a support piece. Now suddenly everything that's happening is the spotlight, right? And then listeners listen to you differently. And we've had people even react to us differently like i don't know how to react to your music i'm, I'm expecting they always say the same thing i'm really expecting harsh vocals where's the screaming <laughs> <You know? laughs> well there's no screaming so you're gonna have to pay attention to the guitars or the bass or something else along those lines and i i feel like i I've, I've heard so many like non-musician people talk about how they don't like instrumental music right yeah there's something to be said probably because they don't you know Again, they're expecting that voice. That voice isn't there. Okay, what am I listening for? And I, I mean, I feel like you, uh, in Ghosts, like it seems like you guys are always really well received. You know, like regardless of of the crowd being full of musicians or not, at least as far as I've witnessed. Yeah, we, you know, the first show that we played, um, uh, we had a lot of people, like a crowd that typically listens to maybe like folk music, walked up right. to us, and they were like, you know. I, it, they, even the first review by the first person to see us ever, they were like, I don't really like this kind of music, but I like what you guys do. And I don't know why. That's exactly what they said. Huh. And ironically, you, I mean, you just repeated it yourself, but it's been kind of a common theme. So, um, but, you know, we try to do that a little bit in our interview too. Like not every song has to be the same. It doesn't have to always have a vocal, right? The first album had two instrumental tracks. I, I, I still love pot roast yeah i love that song <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's uh i don't know that's that's a that's a that's a weird one that, i don't mean and i don't mean weird and bad i just mean it it exists in its own little realm 
I mean, weird to me is a, a good thing. So let's let's normalize saying weird as a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, my when I go back to that album, the, the song I listen to most is Morning Steps. Hmm. I just love that tune. It's just sonically, it stands out in the album. And it's so ambient, and Ben's drums are killer. The bass is super loud, <laughs> <laughs> but not overwhelming. You know, Alex. It's interesting too. You mentioned, you know, the the approach in Ghosts, an instrumental band versus, uh, you know, a band that that does make the the singer more that that forefront. I feel like even in Arenda too, we we've we've not only found that balance and and done a few you know instrumental tracks and and plan to do more, but um, how we can utilize the you know, and not everything's cookie cutter. Not everything is. Uh, you know, hey, because we have a vocalist, every track with vocals, the vocals are going to be the main thing. I think that's been right. a challenge for us that we've enjoyed is trying to weave in, you know, there are heavy vocal sections where you guys are doing the three-part harmonies and, and the vocals really dominate the space. And then there are other times where we'll, I mean, we'll play two, three minutes in a song without anyone singing and try to weave in interesting uh, instrumental parts too. And I, I think that's been a a unique challenge to find that balance as well. And, and certainly we're not the only project in the area that does that. Um, but I know from, from my perspective, not being a singer, uh, you know, just looking at face value on how every sound kind of, you know, fills that space. It's been interesting the way I think we've approached some of those challenges of, of finding that blend. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fair to say. I, I remember um, someone walked up to us after a show and the only thing they said was, wow, you guys have really long intros. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Before, you know, before I could even ask him, I wanted to be like, well, did you, did you like it? And they were gone. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'll keep that comment in mind. But yeah, no, you're, you're right. I think, especially again, second album, we'll probably head there, but uh, we, we want more texture, right? The vocals don't always have to be a specific role and scene can definitely speak to that. But if, hey, vocals can be, similar to a guitar, another layer of uh, just providing tone and timber, right? There doesn't always have to be words per se, but I don't know. Right. That scene, you just have to get one of those, uh, the voice box pedals or whatever they're called. Yeah. What the, I, I can't think of what the name of those are. For the, effects or for the layers? Well, the, the pedal that makes your voice sound like a guitar. Oh, the talk box? Yeah, yeah. The one where you put you put the straw in your mouth. And yeah, I've honestly always wanted one of those. Hey, I say let's <laughs> let's take on that challenge because, I mean, I, I don't know. Every time it gets used, it sounds incredibly cheesy. That'll be a personal challenge for us. We'll we'll use uh we'll do three part harmony talk. Wait, hold on. Let me say that again. <laughs> three part talk box harmonies. Huh? Who's doing that? Nobody. <laughs> probably for good reason but you know and then we'll add megaphones i don't know <laughs> that's so awesome uh kyle we once joked about like really thinking outside of the box and scene and i had a good writing session and then we contacted ben after the fact and we're like hey ben we wrote a song there's no ones in it <laughs> no doubt everything is no there's no downbeat dude you figure it out <laughs> That's like really progressive, redefining music. <laughs> oh man, that's good times. Well, um, dudes, thanks for joining us. This was a really good conversation. Um, it, I'm sure it'll change. It's something we could probably talk about again sometime in the near future as we, as we grow. 
and whatnot. But thanks for sharing your thoughts. And thanks for sharing your time with us. Thanks yeah, for having fun. us. Absolutely. Any final notes, Ben, before I stop the recording? No, no. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like, like we touched on here, you know, being a part of this group with you guys is exciting. It's a lot of fun to, uh, to explore this. And I think that's maybe what, what makes us a good fit as a group is because we, we, you know, we have these, Alex and I were talking before we started the recording here. We, we have these conversations like this, you know, kind of behind closed doors uh, at our practices. And it is something that we, we talk about and we talk about the, the logistics of how we work together and how we, we build, uh, you know, our, our collective sound as, as, a, as a singular unit, but also as four individuals. And uh, this was a really fun opportunity to kind of take that behind closed door conversation and, and kind of open it up uh, on, on this podcast platform. So, uh, so really thank you guys for, uh, for participating and allowing us to, uh, to dive into some of these topics. Well, that was a, a super interesting conversation and I, I'm really glad that uh, we were able to explore those topics. I mean, you know, before we, we did this episode, I was thinking a lot about, uh, you know, the idea of the creative process and just how different people, you know, define that process. And we don't know, how many of our podcast listeners are uh, musicians and how many aren't, but either way, uh, the creative process is a unique thing to explore. Maybe you're not a musician and this was eye-opening in a way that, you know, to see how some people approach that creative process, or maybe you're a musician who tackles things totally differently than we do, or or maybe listening to this uh, is validating because you are a musician and walk through the creative process uh, in a similar fashion to to how we do it. So either way, uh, you know, it's, it's unique for everyone. It's even unique. You know, we talk about the four of us as, as a band and, and even amongst the four of us, there are different approaches. So it's, it's, it's unique for everyone. Uh, and, and to me, that's just another part of what makes music such an interesting form of uh, art and uh, communication. This concludes episode 18 of the concert venue brought to you by Eau Claire hometown media. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and email us at the concert venue podcast at gmail.com until next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>